0: 90 for chill the podcast proudly presents to you ali's accessories shop on etsy's trash feature review you have no idea how it feels not to be trusted you've got to trust me too chloe how can you trust someone who thinks you're crazy how long have i been in here Three days. i want to talk to my husband doug is dead you killed him no way. What's the last thing you remember? There was a girl. This is a girl that I saw. This is the girl. It's impossible. That she died four years ago. That girl came to me, and she has a very specific agenda. Miranda, what's that? Something is really happening to me. Look, I'm sad. You're upset. I'm here to help you, but you have to trust me. You can't trust somebody when they think you're crazy. And I've finally gotten around to Gothica from 2003 with Halle Berry, Robert Downey Jr., Charles S. Dutton, the guy who played uh, Sheriff Gunderson's husband in Fargo. Let's just cut right to the chase. This is a ghost story that ends with Limp Biscuit's cover of Behind Blue Eyes being played over the credits. This seems like everything that was wrong with the early 90s. It's a poor man's David Fincher. It uses a lot of elements. It tries giving you that fight club kind of vibe of what's real, what isn't real, with crappy effects, frantic editing. It's from a director, uh, Sebastian Gutierrez, who's known for some great low budget, like straight the TV stuff. She-Creature, Electrolux. Give this guy a budget and he's not going to do you any favors it's kind of like he's a genre version of Kevin Smith before Kevin Smith became a genre. It's about Holly Berry, Holly Berry, who's a psychologist at a mental institution for the criminally insane women, who's just blowing off Penelope Cruz, who's there for killing her stepfather and just assuming that all these devil talk is just throwing that onto her stepfather justifying the murder and all that bollocks. It does have some important lessons, like if Beetlejuice wasn't enough, never go under a covered bridge in a in any kind of haste. It's just, try so much to give you this atmosphere that's like, yeah, it just doesn't feel real at all at any, really just becomes like, okay, you're having fun trying to predict how this is all gonna make sense and it kind of plays off with the weird well i gotta get back to the plot i suppose it was basically one night rain all the spooky elements Halle Berry blacks out after dodging a woman in the middle of the road after going under said bridge and awakens in a mental institution being told she killed her husband played by Charles Stunton from surviving the game Alien 3 the creepy like just the vibe, Halle Berry probably just being seeming so much younger than she is, and Harry and uh, and Charles Dun Dun then just being so being him. It just feels creepy, especially, and it and it kind of plays itself out. So I don't want to give any spoilers away. If you're here to watch a movie where Limp Biscuit closes it out, you're probably in for the wrong movie. So. I could see, though, why some people would enjoy this, wanting to believe in ghosts, wanting to not feel insane, but it's just like, this is the journey you wanna take. It's just attempts to be all atmosphere with crappy, frantic editing, video effects. Oh gosh, don't even get me started on the fire. Definitely not one I would recommend to anybody who, who has a sense that their faculties are all there. But for those who want to just look for some kind of, watch something that offers explanations into what might not be known or trusted, I could see where they might enjoy it. So just talk myself into saying one and a half to two stars right there. Painful two stars, but two stars nonetheless. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise! And welcome back to Ninety for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies. Darth is the handle I'm trying to get over. If it's easier for you to find the podcast, just tell people it's from Russ Stevens, the first Russ Stevens who podcasts. I'm surprised the British magi- magician didn't beat me to that. But nonetheless, welcome back again to 90 for Chill, the podcast. Sorry for the redundancy there. And this week kind of fell apart for me. That's not just getting the notification dealing with an unemployment hearing and, oh, just Easter anxiety. I mean, things are shaping up, I think, in a lot of other ways for me. But I had a podcast guest uh, scheduled and that kind of fell through and just had to watch the movie And probably we'll have to watch it again, Kayfabe, which you can really only find on YouTube right now about, I guess it's the fake movie about the real sport, uh, fake sport of wrestling, something like that it's a fun little piece, but gosh, the flashbacks. To make up for it, we're going to catch up on the alphabet that is Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. So I've got four other movies for you, and please pardon me for leaving the fan on during the Gothic uh, review, but I will say that kind of covered up all my breaths that I take, so I don't know. Maybe I need that uh, ambience. But I digress, so we're going to review a few more movies uh so we're gonna start with g and we're gonna end with J. so we'll have a couple of well i'll be truthful three of the movies Allie didn't pick out so but we got low budget stuff and i for the most part found the rest of these to all be winners in some way so we're gonna go right into hawk's vengeance after i get the typical plugs of rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps five star reviews preferably if you want to talk trash about the podcast go to Catbus russ on twitter that's at cat russ and if you want to be on the podcast an email to rust the bus 07 at gmail.com offer me a, a movie a film a director an actor and i'm sure we can create some podcast gold and let me thank stacia harden for making this all possible still i hope i'm doing you proud superman as I was just reviewing this uh, introduction, I did make the mistake of saying we're going to end with J starting with G, both the J's, I guess. Don't want to say J with an S at the end of it, I think. Eh, for the future. We actually end with K, so even more ambitious. And I hope you appreciate that. Thanks now available on videocassette. And I've just rediscovered Hawks' Vengeance from 1996, a Canadian made for video feature, which does some cute little gimmicky things. I think they found some classic Illinois plates to try stating that it's definitely an American movie. Then I find out it's actually shot in Montreal. I was thinking Vancouver, like they just took the empty set of Highland of the series when they half of the season where they shot in Paris, made it available, especially the enemies, the antagonist's lair. Like, you really just put some random props, like make it almost look as, cr- as cringy as a Chinatown shop. So Chicago Chinatown, maybe it's better. New York, San Francisco, I digress. So the feature is about Gary Daniels as Eric Hawk Kelly, who is on leave from the British Marines to investigate the murder of his police officer stepbrother in, I think they meant New York. As I say, it's weird with everything they do to try making sure you don't think it's Canada. Hey, get some cop, cop ass uh, outfits from the States, I guess is my suggestion. You can definitely see R M C P or PC, Royal Mounted Canadian Police. And it turns out that he uncovers a strategy of an evil Philippine martial arts style master manipulating skinheads to capture Chinese gang members to harvest organs. Sorry, I've spoiled that portion of it. It doesn't really get revealed till just before the third act. It's really just a bunch of ridiculous set pieces, I would say. They're kind of fun and goofy. Definitely fit with the uh, ADR mixing up accents when they're supposed to be in London and the synthesizer soundtrack. You gotta give it credit for at least giving Gary Daniels an excuse to be in the Western Hemisphere with that accent. As I say, it's just some silly set pieces, like the improvised weaponry in the finale, like an antenna plays a pretty crucial role, I would say, uh, resulting in the same conclusion, except Gary Daniels on the good end, as the bout he had with Wesley Snipes at the end of the Game of Death, they both started. If you're looking for silly fun, this is, you know, good background noise and just classic 90s when action movies were the good kind of act, the corny kind of action movies were pushed straight to the v- DVD shelves. Sorry, VHS shelves. So this was uh, one I'm kind of glad to find because it was originally released by Artisan, I believe. And Lionsgate just is a crap job releasing new DVDs so yeah i think i was probably a little too cynical when i first watched it it's just good really kind of wish i probably had some influence foreign uh, on me during it but i'd say if that's your if this movie is just a nice little 90s nostalgia for you it's worth a watch i'm gonna sell tickets for people to watch (laughs) (laughs) the money i make from this is gonna pay back for you know you you are all right for a pole. when this is over we we, we should uh, we should talk i'm gonna be dead <gasps> oh that's right i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing you stupid i'm sorry did you tell your father yeah we loved it Thank you. You are have the best I could possibly ask for. In fact, I have the support of the whole neighborhood on this one. Can I get a few comp tickets just for relatives, stuff like that? The only one who's holding out on me is this, this one girl. I've heard about everything. All right, I have a way to get you out of that. Line. Me too. If you don't show up, if you break down at last moment, If you try to turn audience against me, if you try to run away with the money, if you do anything except put noose around your neck and hang yourself, I will kill you, Father. Don't let me down, huh? I'm just starting to like you. (laughs) And I've just concluded watching uh, Invitation to a Suicide which i think well i didn't really write down a lot of notes while i was watching it so if there's only any complaints it's kind of ironic it's nice that we see great lighting and effects at least from a cinematography standpoint on video on the flip side the sound kind of sucks but it's a feature about a young a polish american in brooklyn who tries well he's trying to get to california and hopefully bringing his girlfriend or his the girl he wants to be his friend his the unrequited love bollocks to california he figures by robbing a russian mob slash snuff film producer he could get that resources to do so well it goes wrong his locksmith buddy was Murdered by the mafioso, I guess you'd still use that term, as punishment. He gets about a week to get $10,000 that burned in a fire during the break-in. Or his father, a bakery owner, will be killed in his stead. So his plan is basically with the tradition and legacy of the bakery it seems like the best option is for him to sell his suicide to an audience. And it's just a story about adjusting to that. It's great dark comedy. I love how humor versus legacy gets played into it. And it's really about, I think more or less, uh, trying to figure out if you actually could have the nerve to end your life. And I think that's kind of cathartic in a sense. I also go through depression, so. Uh, Pablo Shriver is your, uh, or Pablo Shriver is your star lead. It's weird for me because I know him best from American Gods and Den of Thieves is some buffed out tough guy, and this is just him as a young kid, fresh off the wire, and it's a really great story, and I think it's ironic that it ends with a joke about don't record it on a video, <laughs> always get it on 35mm, so I appreciate a little irony there. So great performances, solid story. Yeah, I mean, all you can really wish for is if it was shot on film, but, and it's really disappointing that the director and writer, Lauren Marsh, hasn't really done anything since. So this was a film that I really dug. As long as you can get past the limitations of the quality, definitely worth your time. get Tyler. <laughs> That ain't no Etch-A-Sketch. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. I think it's best to just tell him. I'm pregnant. Who is the father? <laughs> Pauline Bleeker? I didn't think he had it in. I know, right? <laughs> Why wow, your shorts are like, especially gold today. Uh, my mom uses color-safe bleach. Go Carol. You should look at adoption ads. They have ads for parents? Yeah. Hi, I'm Vanessa. You must be true Hi, I'm the husband. With a couple of baby-starved wingnuts. Dude, that thing is freaky looking. I'm a sacred vessel. All you've got in your stomach is Taco Bell. You think you're really going to do this? Yeah, but I'm guessing it looks probably like a sea monkey right now. We should let it get a little cuter. Yes. right great keep it in the oven when this is all over we should get back together you still gonna think i'm cute when i'm huge i think you're beautiful did you by any chance barf in my urn <coughs> i would never barf in your urn. <laughs> did you see that coming when she sat us down here yeah but i was hoping she was expelled her into her drugs you're like the coolest person i've ever met and you don't even have to try i try really hard actually <laughs> You love him. Hey, you know you could go into early labor, sucking face like that. And I've just concluded watching Juno from 2007, Oscar winning for winner for best uh, screenplay, Diablo Cody. With that kind of screenplay, though, it seems a little too smart for the dialogue that high schoolers are saying to each other. It can get all kind of weird. I have influences who didn't like death proof uh, because that's not how women talk to each other. I think if it was a little more demented, say like Heather's, <laughs> the dialogue would be more appropriate and I can see why Jennifer's body, uh, another Diablo Cody script, is getting so much more reassessment and love than Juno because it's a horror movie. While Juno is basically Jason Reitman trying to be heir apparent to the Coen brothers. I'm not saying it's a bad thing and it's kind of makes... Ghostbusters Afterlife a little more worthwhile because he's not doing something that's very Cohen-esque. I'm just saying the soundtracks being so eclectic, the imagery, like you do appreciate that he can focus and make something out of that every detail, which is just a great sign of a director. And I can't say that, you know, even with Jennifer's body, that was accomplished. So it's a story about Juno, a girl played by Elliot Page who... Gets knocked up by Michael Sarah after being just, and I, I know it's a rather familiar experience, not familiar, I'm sorry, common experience of women going to abortion clinics. And it's just the staff just doesn't really look too intent on uh, providing the great service or just very nonchalant about what they're doing. You want to end up in a place like Dogma, not Women's Now, in uh, Montaño Mente. It's Minnesota, and very Minnesota-feel. Again, Coen Brothers vibes. Gina decides that she's going to give it up for adoption to a family, a couple, portrayed by Jennifer Gardner and Jason Bateman. Really, that's just kind of exposes about when people are willing to grow up, or can they grow up. It's got a great supporting cast. I mean, Allison Janney, oh, geez, What is his name? He plays, I can't believe, farmer's insurance guy, um, J.K. Simmons, thank god I had the box in front of me, so, I mean, it's a, just a fun, sweet little movie, and it is moving, I'm not even gonna, I guess for me being of 40s and trying my best to talk like that, it kind of hits me, so, yeah, so after watching Invitation to a Suicide and then Juno, it's a lot of, kind of self-reassessment things, stuff that I should have been more prepared (laughs) for um, when I went to my therapist for the first time. So interesting experience this today, and I think I'll end the binge now. It's great to see two bangers in one day. And I think if you can just uh, appreciate the story and the acting, you know, it's definitely worthwhile. Mm -hmm. 1651, Father Taurus's expedition had a cache of gold at the All we gotta do is follow this journal and it's gonna lead us to the treasure. You're serious? Charlie, what are you doing? We're not doing anything illegal, this is public land. <laughs> Sir, I'll have to ask you to leave. Well, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you just gave that cop a phone first. her. She calls me. She's a peach. Parents have this advantage over us. That's what baby. We, we want to believe in you. Wait a minute, look. I think I see it right there. This is it. The blooms lost one 300 years ago and they're buried under a Costco. I guess that wasn't meant to be. It's only six feet down. Are you nuts? Used to work for an alarm service company was that before or after he went to jail before so i've just concluded watching king of california uh, it's from 2007 starring evan rachel wood and michael douglas it's a story about um evan rachel wood being a 15 year old when her father uh with her his bipolar and general psychosis gets institutionalized for a couple of years in the meantime she's Paying them in the house, working at McDonald's, buying cars on eBay without letting people know her actual age. So a lot of ways it's kind of like the little girl who led, lived down the lane, except without the pedophiles. There are swingers though. When Michael Douglas gets out of the institution, he figures his goal in life is now to find the lost treasure of Juan Torres which they eventually determine is underneath a Costco. It's a lot of madcap elements to it. It's just a pleasant little story. I mean, there's nothing overly exciting about it. And um, for somebody who's dealt with depression and lived with people who've had bipolar issues and have difficulty establishing what real is, it kind of speaks to me in a bit. I mean, there's nothing magnificent about the direction And as I said, the performances are fine. It's really only two actors, um, Wood and Douglas. Nobody really, I guess there's just not a lot of opportunities for Evan Rachel Wood to shine. It's her playing a kid again, which she did for pretty much the first decade of her career starting with 13. I would say that if you're a big Michael Douglas fan and you just want to see him go off, I mean, he's never takes anything seriously in the film. He's just having fun. So, kind of a vanity project, I suspect. I haven't looked at the box to see if he's got an executive producer credit or not. But, you know, it's pleasant and inoffensive in a lot of ways. And it just kind of, I think, gives you another take on having faith in people. There's a great line about parents have us trapped because we want to believe in them, we just end up wanting to be with them. And this is a story about Evan Ragewood trying to figure a way how to do that while not falling into the same insanity that he has. It's a nice little character piece. I guess if you got a head in weird places like me, might be worthwhile. Can I hear a wahoo?